Okay, we are doing Monday of MR. So we are up to chapter 21, verse 16. And God spoke to Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Whoever be of his seed throughout the generations that has a blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. So we're going to discuss in this section, basically the entire of today's portion has to do with the priests, and we begin by discussing the various blemishes that make them unable to do the service or states they're in that make them unable to eat from the normal foods, the holy foods that the priest is allowed to eat from. So here we have this general introductory state sentence that whoever is a descendant of Aaron and has a blemish, he can't serve God. In other words, if you're serving God, you need a physical perfection that's, of course, an expression and a mirroring of the inner spiritual perfection. So it says, don't offer the bread of his God, because bread is a general term for food, which means here all the offerings. Verse 18, for whatever man that has a blemish, he shall not approach a blind man or lame, or if he has a flat nose or has anything too long. So any person that has this blemish cannot come close to serve God. A flat nose, Rashi explains, is that the nose is sunken in between his eyes, so it's almost as if the two eyes seem like one. Anything too long means there's any organ that's larger than its corresponding organ, like one eye larger than the other, one thigh longer than the other. Verse 19, or a man that is broken-footed or broken-handed. 20, or thick-browed or that his eye overspread or disarrangement of the eye or scabbed or scurvy or has his testicles crushed. That's what Russia says that phrase means. Thick-browed means his eyebrows are very long, 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 long hairs. An eye overspread means over his eye there's a membrane. A disarrangement of the eye, Rashi says, means that something's changing the normative arrangement of the white and the black of the eye. So white that extends into the color or the black, all different examples of how this would be not normative, which we would call a blemish. Scabbed or scurvy are different types of skin diseases. So Rashi says a scab means a skin disease which is dry inside and outside. And that it's, uh, in Hebrew, the word is yalefes because from the word to cling, because it clings to the body from when you get it until the day you die. No, I'm sorry. There's two, I, I just said that wrong. There's gerev, which Rashi is saying is a scab that's dry inside and dry outside. And then there's another one called yalefes, which we're translating here as scurvy, which is, yalefes is from the root word to cling, that it clings to until the day you die. Now, what's yalefes? What's the scurvy? So this is a skin disease that's moist on the outside and dry on the inside. So the gerev, the scab, is dry in and out. And the LFS is dry on the inside but moist on the outside. But then that's one way Rashi explains it. But then Rashi says in another place, it's explained differently. And Gerev, the first one, the scab, which Rashi first said was dry in and out, is dry inside and moist outside, what Rashi previously said was the LFS. Um And Rashi says that sometimes it depends contextually which skin diseases are listed, 
which each one is going to be referring to. The next verse, 21. Any man that has a blemish of the seed of Aaron the priest, he should not come close to offer the, the fire offerings of Hashem, of God. He has a blemish. So we're sort of saying here now, first we gave a general sentence, and then we gave lots and lots of different options of these blemishes. And now we're concluding here with, again, a general sentence to include any other blemish we didn't mention. If there's any blemish, that person is unfit to serve. But if it's a passing blemish, meaning it's something that will heal, not obviously like if one eye is larger than the other or if the white goes into the black, but if you have a skin disease and it heals, well, then it's fine. Then you can serve. And again, Rush has the same thing. It says here the bread of God, which in general means food. Verse 22, the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy, he can eat. So the verse here is listing that this person is allowed to eat the offerings from the most holy and the offerings from the more minor degree of holiness. So the question is asked, wait a minute, if I thought he can't eat and you're telling me he can eat the most holy, well, then obviously he can eat a more minor holiness. So why do you have to write that as well? So no, the person could think that we see with the most holy, someone that wasn't a priest was able to eat it because we know that when Moses was serving in the time of the dedication of the tabernacle, he was able to eat from the most holy. So if he who's not truly a priest could eat from the most holy, maybe in a sense it's more lenient. But for the more minor holy things, we don't see anyone but a priest ever eating from it. So that's why we have to list both. If it's just said the more minor holy, I wouldn't think it would mean the more holy that has a higher degree of sanctity. It was just that the higher holy, I would think maybe it's only because of that Moses situation, so I wouldn't think the lower, more minor holiness. And therefore, both have to be written in the verse. Only So on one hand, we said he can't serve. But we're saying he's still allowed to eat. And now, so again, we're sort of emphasizing this point. He's allowed to eat, but he's still allowed to serve. Only until the preichas. Preichus was the veil separating the holy from the holy of holies, and that was one of the services of the priest in offering the sacrifices was to sprinkle the blood on this preichus veil. So to this preichus he can't come, which means, as Rashi explains, he can't do the service of sprinkling the blood, and to the altar he can't come close, which Rashi says means to the outer altar, the altar in the courtyard that the regular sacrifices were offered on. And we need to know both of these points. Why? Because he has a blemish. And he shouldn't profane my holy places because I'm God who sanctified them. So Rashi explains that from this verse, we understand that if this priest who has this blemish, even a temporary blemish, is serving, it's profaning the and violating the sanctity of, of, of the temple area. And obviously the offering itself is completely invalid. And Moses spoke to Aaron and to his sons and to all the children of Israel. So Moses spoke these commandments, and then our question obviously is, wait, what did the children of Israel need to know about it? For Aaron, check. His sons, check. What did a non-priest need to know? All these laws have to do with the priests. So Rashi explains that because the Beitin, the tribunal court, had to know these laws, of course, to make sure that the priests are doing the appropriate thing. Then going on to chapter 22, which of course the chapters is not a, does not originally come from Torah. It's part of how the Christians organized these verses, so to speak. 
Um, so chapter 22, verse 1, And God spoke to Moses, saying, Speaking to Aaron to his sons, that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, that they profane not my holy name, which they consecrated to me, because I am God. So we're saying here that they have to separate themselves from the holy things when? In the time of their impurity. Meaning, the previous set of verses we were discussing wasn't talking about the priest being impure. The priest wasn't impure. He had a physical condition, a blemish, that because he wasn't outwardly in his body perfect, we're told he can't bring an offering. If the blemish passes, he can. He's still allowed to eat from the holy things. He doesn't have any impurity. It's not an impurity. It's a physical condition. Now we're switching gears to a different topic, still with the priest and still with the problem. But now we're not talking about a physical issue. We're talking about a spiritual impurity. And if he, for whatever reason, as we'll discuss various reasons, is impure, then he also cannot be serving. And obviously if he serves then when he's impure, this would also be a desecration. And as, as Rashi explains, this is both things that the Jewish people made holy, that he would be profaning if he served with them, if he offered them when he's impure, or also what priests would be dedicating. It also will be made impure if an impure, a priest who's impure is offering them. Verse 3, say to them, throughout your generations, any man that approaches of your seed to the holy things which the, the Jewish people have made holy to God, having his uncleanliness, his impurity on him, that soul should be cut off from before me, I am God. So there's a very severe punishment here, kares, excommunication, a spiritual cutting off of the soul for a priest who is impure. Again, he knows he's impure, and he goes to do the service. Now, Rashi explains that when it says he's coming close, it's actually talking about eating, which is, again, very interesting because we said in the previous situation of the person that had a physical blemish, we said he's totally allowed to eat. We had no problem with him eating. He doesn't have any spiritual problem. He just has a physical problem. It's making him not perfect to offer. But here, he doesn't have a physical issue, but he has a spiritual impurity for any of the various reasons. There are many that person has spiritual impurity. He is not allowed to eat any of the sacrifices, any of the holy things. And if he does, it's, a, it's, a, it's profaning them. And for this, he would receive excommunication, kares. So how do we get the word eating? Because obviously in the verse, it doesn't say anything about eating. So Rashi says, it says, whoever comes close, whoever is approaching. And this is a reference to eating, just as we have another verse, which talks about eating holy things when you're impure, and it uses the term touching. And again, touching there doesn't mean if you touch you know, you're doing all these violations, but the touching is a reference for eating. How do we know that? Because earlier, it spoke about receiving courage, receiving excommunication for eating. And we're like, wait a minute. If we're already told that there's excommunication for eating for priesthoods and pure, but actually there's excommunication for touching, it would have said that there because touching includes more than eating. You know, in other words, you can touch and eat or touch and not eat. But if you're eating, obviously there was some touching going on. So since touching would be a more comprehensive term, if you truly had a communication for touching, it would have been written earlier. 
when it spoke about being excommunicated for eating. So that's what we have to say that no, it's not touching. The touching here is a term, is, is, is like a code language for eating. So, fine. So the verse is saying if this person is ritually impure and he's eating, that's how we're decoding it, the, anything of the, of the holy things of the Jewish people, then he receives this very, very, very intense consequence of coercive excommunication. But then I have a question. So why is the verse they approach? Why does it just say eat? Like, what do I need this whole long Rashi to clarify for me that approaching means eating? Just say eat. Because approaching to express what we're talking about, at what stage in the offering we mean this? Because it's when you'd have to approach it, meaning it's already at that point that it's ritually fit to be offered. But if it wasn't yet at that stage in the process and the person ate it, though they shouldn't have, but they do not receive curse, excommunication of the soul. Only if it's already at the point where they would have to approach, go into these areas to eat it because it's already at that stage to be ritually fit to be offered. So the, the verse also says a sort of ambiguous phrase. It says um, that if he approaches, which we now know means eats any of these holy sacrifices, and the uncleanliness, his uncleanliness is on him. So the question is, hmm, there's two ways of, 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 of contextually understanding that phrase. Is it a clean priest, clean here means spiritually, a spiritually clean priest, but the offering became impure? And if a pure priest eats an impure offering, he gets cards, excommunication of the soul? Or does it mean, no, the offering's pure, but the priest is impure. And if the impure priest eats a pure offering, it's excommunication of the soul. So Rashi says, as we're explaining this whole section, it's an impure priest eating a pure offering and for which he receives excommunication. So then the question is, how do we know? But basically because the way the verse is being written, it implies, as we're going to read, that when this impurity leaves, then it's okay to eat it. So obviously it can't be talking about the, the, the offering because if, a, if an animal was impure, was offered as a, as an, as a sacrifice, his impurity never leaves. There's no such option. The only situation where impurity can leave a person is if it's a human. So therefore, since we're talking about impurity that is now on but could in the future depart, it has to be talking that the person is impure, the priest is impure, the offering therefore is pure, and the impure priest eating a pure offering is going to receive this very horrific consequence of courage, of cutting off of his soul. As Rashi says, this is cutting off a soul that's very complete because it's followed by, after saying the excommunication, I am God. I am everywhere. So, like, no place you can hide from me, no place that you could, you know, not undergo this. This is what's going to impact any priest that would do this in any situation over the entire world. This is what's coming to his soul, meaning no, no place you can hide from me, no place the consequence won't happen. This will happen for any priest that would do this. Okay, and we will stop at this point.